Hello, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show. I'm Chase Jarvis, your host. We are here on Creative Live, and this show is where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and I do my best to unpack actionable and valuable insights to help you live your dreams in career, in hobby, and in life. This show is special. <laughs> I probably say that about every show, but this show is maybe extra special, double special. My guest today is Scott Dadich. You know Scott. You know Scott's work for sure. He's a designer, a filmmaker, an entrepreneur. He's currently the CEO of Godfrey Dadich Partners, a design, content, and marketing strategy firm. Prior to that, you know his work at Condé Nast, where he was the editor of Wired Magazine. That's why I know you know his work. You've seen it. You've read it. You've touched it. He's also helped Condé Nast build their digital strategy, include tablet. They were very, very, very early in that stuff. If you remember when that came out, the first sort of beautiful, journalistic, yet, uh, what would you say, consumer, super consumer-friendly, beautiful products. Um, also among the first things to make like tablet magazine stuff feel native. Uh, and he's also the creator of a new Netflix series called Abstract, The Art of Design, which I'm, I'm banking that some of you have seen it. If you have not... You must featuring they go they do deep dive documentary featuring I think somewhere between six and eight creatives from designers to architects. It is so killer. It is a must watch. I love so many things about this episode. One of which is that you've heard for, you've heard me for gosh I don't know probably every other episode on this show I talk about being a hyphen. Hyphens, those are people, uh, I guess this is my term, but it's it's those are people who do so many things, many of them well. When when I say, what do you do? It's like, for example, I would consider myself a photographer, a director, an entrepreneur, uh, an author. I could say a few more. And this is the same paradigm that Scott operates under. I think in early in his career, he called himself a designer, but then he was an editor. Now he's a filmmaker. You get it. I believe this is the future of creative work. If you are a hyphen, then you'll know what I mean when I'm talking about this stuff. It's, I think that, that some folks believe that uh, this is sort of a little bit of a, a bullshit that you, you get a sideways look and you're saying, well, I do this and this and this and this. But that's like one of the things that I'm trying to create awareness around is that we are all gravitating towards that in some way, shape or form. 50, I don't know, 53 million Americans, I think, have a side hustle by 2020. So as at least two hyphens in that side hustle, and if you're like me, and I think a lot of the folks out in the audience that are listening to this, you identify with this. So we talk deeply about that in this episode, which I think is valuable. Uh, and there's one thing that Scott says I really love about this stuff is how and why we hyphens channel our creativity in a variety of directions. It's because the neurons that are firing are the same neurons. They just are creating different outcomes. That is, the process is the same and the end result is different. I love that. Also in this episode, we talk about why you should listen to your instincts. I'm a huge gut guy. He talks about the voice inside. Got a great term for finding this called gut head alignment. Big advocate of this, I think. Learning to trust your inner instincts is one of the things that helped me tap into my passions and I believe it's valuable and a lesson that we culturally need to learn. He talks deeply about the making of Abstract, that documentary series on Netflix. You do not want to miss that. Certainly go binge watch it, but I think the, the story behind the story is every bit as inspiring, if not more. And then uh, on that note, one of the things that comes up a few times in this episode that I think is valuable, you should know about as, as we're getting into the episode here, is the, the process of exploration. 
to hone your craft. For example, he talks about drawing as a means of visualizing your ide ideas. And, and the key here is not about actually making perfect drawing, but it's about the process of exploring the idea through different means. Sometimes we make lists, we write stuff down, um, whether you're drawing or doodling or making lists even in, in an Evernote. These are all different muscles that we grow by exercising them on a regular basis and they all contribute to the end product. So I, I could list a four or five other things, but uh, you're gonna wanna get into the episode. I'm gonna get out of your way with that. Let's get into the show. But before we do, you know this, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits. And today Creative Live as a part of the sponsor announcement wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free and they let you watch all of the Creative Life classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, sir. How I got a dad itch. Dad itch. How many yes. times have you said that? A million? Yeah, like your dad has an itch, <laughs> yes. We all have these little. It. We got these little things to describe <laughs> our world. You'd be surprised. I bet folks I bet. don't always get it. That's all right. So for the folks at home, uh, why don't you pretend that they've never met you before? Although I know they're familiar with your work because of Wired fame. But describe yourself to to the folks at home. Uh, yeah, I have a, a design background for the last eleven years. I was the editor in chief of Wired. I, I'm sorry, I was at Wired for eleven years. The editor in chief for four of those. Yeah, the person who was there for the other seven is like, I want <laughs> my seven years, damn Chris it. Chris Anderson is uh, <laughs> That's a uh, great guy. pounding his fist. No, I was uh, actually the creative director uh, for five years and then went off to run uh, digital development at Condé Nast, uh, where I worked with all of the brands and basically helped them develop digital strategies, starting with the iPad and then the iPhone and into web and then came back four years ago as editor-in-chief. And Is that a nice return? Did you like ride in on the white horse? That or? was fun, that yes. was fun. With so many um, colleagues and friends that I was so excited to come back and, and work with in, in the new capacity yeah. as an editor, which was, was really cool. So did that and then uh, just earlier this year have launched my own company with a very dear friend of mine and we are now Godfrey Dadich Partners and uh, design and strategy and content firm. Nice. It's fun. It, we're having a blast. So, was there any was there a, a bridge that had a, had to be made between Condé Nast, 
and your new thing, did Wired serve some f purpose in there besides coming back and running around with a bunch of colleagues that you'd had before and doing some work that was familiar to you? Or? Yeah, it, you know, about 10, 11 years at that company, you, you see a lot, you learn a lot, you do a lot. Yeah. And it felt like for me in 2016, uh, getting to work with the president, getting to do that uh, issue with him that he guest edited in November, really felt like a watershed moment for me and it felt like I had done what I had come to do at Wired. It was <laughs> sort of like, like what I, what? <laughs> that was pretty good. I think uh, it's time to hand it over to the next next team and, and next leaders there and for me to go off and do my own thing. So uh, my, my friend Patrick and I have been talking about this for a good while and it sort of seemed like the right time to go off and and chart a new course and be our own bosses. So it, it was a, a, a tough decision, but it was really, I feel really good about it. How long have you been out? Uh, well, technically. We're talking my, about like it's jail. Yeah. <laughs> no. Entrepreneurial world, it might feel like that, but how yeah, long have you been I've out? I've got a couple more weeks uh, at Wired, and uh, the new company launches on February 1st. And is that public yet? It is, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, one of the, well, let's talk about that issue, the one that you feel like you, the watershed moment, uh, getting to work with the president on a curated, edited yeah. issue. Yeah. What's it like? How did it come together? Yeah. A lot of, so the folks at home who are listening to this are, they're kind of in two camps. Well, they're all generally media savvy, but there's, there are people who identify as creatives, yeah. and we want to take their vision and mission of what's possible to from a one to a ten yep. you know give yep. them actionable insights and and then there's a whole other cross-section of folks that are listening who are curious and they're mm -hmm. trying to go from zero to one mm -hmm. and hearing stories about familiar brands and people mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. the journeys behind mm -hmm. them that really motivates those people so totally. just for a little context totally helpful as you think about those two things like what was your experience like working on this episode and the challenges the wins the losses yeah absolutely. give us the story so every year we try and reach out to uh, a wired hero, someone who we think is doing remarkable work in one form or another, creatively, field of science, technology, and in this case it felt like the right time to go uh, to the White House and ask the president if he would uh, guess that at the issue. It was a, a real long shot, but we had uh, some friends there and actually started talking about it at a moment when uh, there was some alignment about what he wanted to talk about at the end of his presidency and also chart a, a path forward. And Wired is very much about what the, the future looks like. Mm -hmm. And we always try and look around that corner and, and have some assessment of how the worlds of science and technology and design are going to come together. And for him, it really struck a nerve in terms of the dawning world of artificial intelligence, what that's going to mean. And it really allowed us to, to build a series of stories around his particular interests. And so we got a green light in the summer and started working with uh, him and the team at the White House to actually build a, a roster, build a, a series of stories and lineups that uh, he went through and actually uh, hand approved. And so we went out and made assignments, photography, illustrators, writers, and our team of editors actually worked through uh, the entire lineup and then built that issue around his hopes wow. and dreams. And then he and I got to sit down with Joey Ito and have an hour-long conversation about uh, artificial intelligence and self-driving cars and the ethics of technology. It was one, of the, the, one of the most incredible uh, moments of my life. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty spectacular. What 
surprised you the most about that experience, either the experience of making that particular issue, working with the president directly, like what was something that was really surprising? Didn't uh, you see his sense of humor uh, manifest at moments like the White House Correspondents' Dinner, but he's really funny and yeah. really, really sharp. on and yeah. sharp, um, which isn't really surprising, but it's really gratifying when you experience it uh, in, in real life. The other thing that's, again, probably not surprising, you hope and you understand that how much he's got on his plate, how many uh, uh, issues cross his desk on a daily basis, but for him to be so genuinely studied and interested in uh, aspects of artificial, artificial intelligence in particular, and how that's gonna show up in our lives, he's really into it and really can geek out on it and go deep on it. It's not something that he just read a briefing paper on and wanted to talk about. Yeah, the, I, I wanna share an experience. So I also have been, had the good fortune over the last nine months to work directly with the, the principals of the White House, the POTUS, EP and FLOTUS, and on a couple of different issues, mm -hmm. probably most of the time with Biden. Mm -hmm. But I've made it a career of sitting down with people who are the best in the world. Yep. That, you know, that, that, you know, Richard Branson sat in that chair, the people yep. who we all, you know, and you get a good sense of like what they're really like and the, yep. the sense of humor that you talk yep. about with the president. Yep. And I will confess that I'm, uh, uh, humans are humans. And when you're eyeball to eyeball with someone, it's like, we're all the same. Exactly. You know? But the respect that I gleaned from dealing with those three characters it's next level. I mean, it just like really the level, is. you know, when Joe Biden grabs you by the shoulders and says, Chase, we need you. I'm like, fuck it, anything. I'll jump I'm off in. a bridge. I'll drive through a brick what wall. What do you need, like, Joe? Anything. I got you. So articulate, so well studied, so, yeah. um, and to have that time speaking about something like AI, yeah. that had to just be. Yeah, it was mind blowing. Wow. Yeah. So do you feel like that that closed a chapter or was that, I mean, or was it opening the next thing? Did you see where you wanted to go professionally it, beyond that? It did feel like the latter. It did yeah. feel, um, it, it, there was a sense of accomplishment there and, and pride in what my colleagues and I had been able to accomplish and, and the fact that he is a reader of Wired and likes what we've been doing was really gratifying. I think in a sense that opened up that next door. Yeah. And the other thing that, that had sort of clicked for me, I spent uh, most of 2016 working on a television series for Netflix called Abstract that I created and uh, collaborated I just, with. I just saw the trailer for you. It's pretty on, cool. On his phone, you guys, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. I, I worked with uh, two filmmakers, uh, Morgan Neville, who won the Oscar for uh, 20 Feet from Stardom, and Dave O'Connor, one of the executive producers on the wow. new series uh, Mars on National Geographic. Yeah, I can't get my my wife Kate to stop watching. I'm like, it's bedtime. Yeah, it's She's it's like, a really beautiful is, show. Oh, the, the toggling back and forth between the future and current day. Yeah, it's epic. So uh, Dave and Morgan and I built out the team and and created eight one-hour episodes about uh, creativity and about design. And working, again, that one-on-one -on -one with some of the world's greatest designers, architects, Tinker Hatfield at Nike, Ralph Gilles at Fiat Chrysler, as Devlin, the stage designer for Beyonce and Kanye, you see their stories emerge and you see that drive. And it was, it was a lesson for me in thinking about the risks that they had all taken and that, that being close to them and understanding their process and watching and filming with them, it was a big inspiration to me to take that step myself and think about what, what would be my next path as a designer and, and creator and filmmaker and editor. 
and it was uh, it was the moment it felt like it was time for me to, to step out. So you said something that almost everybody who's been on this show says inadvertently at some point, which is they describe themselves using about six or seven words. Uh, you were a designer, a storyteller, a editor. Uh, you've in this you know in the last ten minutes you've probably said six or seven of those uh-huh. different things. Talk to me about that. I think it's the first time in the, hu- in the history of the world that we can start to think of ourselves in those mm-hmm, terms. Mm-hmm. How do you think about it? I felt, I always felt in school that that, that was a process that pushed you into one of those labels and you had to pick yeah. and you would be defined by that for forevermore. I remember thinking, wow, when I get a card that says graphic designer on it, that's it, I'm locked in for life. But I learned very quickly in my first job at Texas Monthly from my editor there, Evan Smith, he taught me how to be a journalist and how to write and how to edit. And I realized it activated the same parts of my brain that I could think about problem solving in the same kinds of frameworks, but the outcomes would be different, the product would be different. And I think that's sort of what's happened with me as an editor at Wired and now working in film um, and long form film it, the skill sets and the creative, the neurons that get fired are the same. It's just that the outcomes are different. And, and that's really what I enjoy about living in a time like today when, that we actually are afforded the liberties to move beyond and into different creative outputs depending on interest, depending on opportunity, depending on the need of the story itself. Yeah, it's, it's, to me it's the most exciting time in the history of the world to be uh, alive and considered or you, to be able to consider yourself a creator. The gatekeepers are gone. You have access yep. to these crazy tools because of yep. technology. Yep. And we can finally escape these monikers of, like, uh, my background is in photography. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, when I write a couple of books and then when yep. I, you know, then I make a couple of films and then um, this is really the second company I've built, the Creative Live, with a hundred talented people who go to work here every day. Yep. Like, how am I? How am I? A thing? How did this yeah, happen? How am I a thing? But and at the same time, that keep I feel like it keeps myself and the people that I know who identify with this fresh and invigorated. Yep. And um, somebody who's been on this show, a guy named James Altucher. I don't know if you're familiar with James' no. works. Writer, great guy, um, and an entrepreneur. He, t- he referenced some science and said that the human can have sort of like five projects going. And you've heard of Dunbar's number mm-hmm. with the number of people mm-hmm. that you want to, you can have in your mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Well, he talks about the ideal number of projects being five. And I kind of feel like I have maybe five personalities might be a stretch, but identities uh-huh. and as a, as a creator. And to be able to bounce back and forth, to me that is, a, it's like new, a new power yeah. that we're all afforded or been granted. And the stuff that used to happen and without identity is now able to be out in the light. I think that's right. How has your background doing all of those things, writing, editing, you said, how has that parlayed now into film? The, the fundamental unit there for me was story, that you have uh, a subject with a true tale and using those tools, using those technologies that even a couple of years ago we, we didn't have available to us yeah. to create um, and envision that person's narrative path and then designing the experience around it. So thinking about, well, our budget's gonna allow 10 days of shooting with this individual. How do we translate a whole lifetime of experience into an hour uh, film? 
I love that challenge, and that was really um, spurred on by by Morgan and Dave, and and actually working with our subjects, who we also call co-creators of the film, because we needed to elicit how they would design their story and yeah. how they think visually and what happens when they have creative thought. What do they see? How do they manifest that on a page? And one of the most amazing things about it, they all draw. That every single one, no matter if they're designing a stage show or a sneaker, they all draw. And that tool was really helpful to us in learning to envision how we'd put that together. And, you know, we could do use fancy tools and drones and great lenses and amazing cameras, but fundamentally it was about ideas and putting those stories together in, in really interesting ways. That's beautiful. I want to know what other common themes this is about in large part the show is about trying to share information so that people can unlock their own, mm -hmm. you know, unlock that. And that's the, the foundation of Creative Live as a company is to help people do that through learning from the world's top experts. So in juxtaposing those ideas, what were the things beyond drawing that were commonalities across all the subjects in In abstract, series, yeah. In, in abstract. They, uh, interestingly, and I, I I have met designers who don't do what I do, where, but I see things, I see shapes and color manipulate themselves. And it may not even be that I'm working on a shape or a color problem. I'd be maybe constructing a paragraph or, or working with an editor on a headline. I do sort of see these, what I call design hallucinations. And almost every person in our series encountered something similar, that they see things manipulate themselves in a, into a finished state, and then they go and work against those problems and try and manipulate and get this thing out of your head and onto the page, or in the form of a room design or a sneaker. And that was a pretty consistent finding throughout. And they, they go about it in, in different ways, but it's that mix of travel and experiences and working with other creative people that's been really the big driver of, of getting those things out of the mind and, and into the world. I got chills when you said that because that's almost exactly how I, I mean, these guys know what I've drawn. I, I can't actually communicate without some sort of a pen or a, mm -hmm. like it's, mm -hmm. it's painful mm -hmm. for me to try and have to explain something that I'm seeing, whether it's a set build or whether it's a shot or a boom move in yep. a moving picture without being able, to, I either need to do the thing myself yep. or draw it so that the people who are in the room can understand it. I'm and, exactly the same way. And it feels, I feel infinitely constrained if I can't, and I feel like a pain and I see things moving on their own. That's phenomenal. I've never heard someone describe it as accurately as what happens in my brain as you just did. It, it's kind of scary when you can tap into that and, and understand them. But the, see I'm going to close my mouth. <laughs> my mouth. I literally just recognize my mouth is open. Like, uh, Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> my, I think I caught on to it. Uh, my CFO uh, at my new company uh, says he speaks spreadsheet, and he feels the same <laughs> way about an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. So I understand uh, feeling the constraint of it. Wow. So can I... Well, we're, this is going to come out after the series comes out, this particular yep. episode. Yep. So um, I would like to describe what I saw. Yep. And then you tell me how. I'm, I try and create some visual language yep. through this yep. audio. Yep. There's yep. some visual aspects to it here. but um, So it's a series of one-hour shows about individual creators. Yes. It's it shows process yes. in a way that I think. And, and you've done it beautifully and Thank very you. visually. Thank you. 
Um, but that's a thing that I think is going to be, I'm, I'm projecting that that's gonna be very powerful because so many people, what I, I call it the black box. Mm -hmm. People, they see the individual and mm -hmm. then they see the finished piece, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's this black box of sort of, uh, I don't know, and you know, social and, and collaborative and you know, widely accessible, distributable tools and mm -hmm. things that we have that we didn't have for a long time have made it infinitely easier to understand that process. But was that a goal? of the project when you set out? Absolutely. One of the things that we said and, and that I wanted to accomplish with the series in particular was to demystify the world around us. That designers shape just about everything we touch and see and experience, whether these chairs or the car we drove here uh, to get to the studio. And that demystifying process was really important to us. We wanted to unravel that. And the, the core principle of the show is that design is just decision making. Designers are people who put one decision in front of another, red or blue, or the kind of code they're using, or if a curve should go like this or like that. And to put those in context and to show those decisions happen in real time, whether through verite or through animation or a telling back and forth between two people, those details and those decisions have import. They, they matter, and if you can show them, and you will peel back the scales from people's eyes, and, and they can't look, they can't help but look at the world in a, in a new way. When you see Ralph, this, uh, the head of design for Fiat Chrysler, and has all these incredible brands that he oversees the look and feel and, um, of every aspect of the car, from the click of the knob to uh, the shape of the wheel, he designed the 300, the Chrysler 300, Incredible. iconic That's design. To see him articulate that with his team and have such a huge influence, you now can't literally drive down the street. I can't drive down the seat and see Ralph. Oh, look, Ralph did that. Oh, look <laughs> at that thing. It's incredible. Yeah, it's like I think it's an Eames quote. The, the details aren't the details. The details are the product. Yes, yes. I think that's so insightful and so simple at the same time, but so insightful. I love that quote. Um, the thing is also beautiful. I mean, like not just the, the camera moves, but the design of it. I mean, you can, I can see your your imprint on there. The color, you know, it's, it's got this beautiful. Um, was it? Is there something that you model off of? What was some other inspirations for the show? There's definitely some wired DNA in the typography yeah. and in the way that we've used graphics, again, to sort of draw out some of those design hallucinations. If a subject was describing something that she saw, we would try and go and make a little animation of shape and color to do that. That's definitely a, a wired characteristic and something that we brought through. Billy Sorrentino actually the former creative director of Wired oversaw the graphics, so you'll see a bit of that DNA in there. Nice. And that made a big difference. But we designed the frame, we designed the show, we designed the narrative structures, and so it was very important to us that we adhered to the heuristics that we set out when mm -hmm. we created the show document. We actually designed a book that we gave to all of our directors and our, our directors of photography so that they understood that every aspect needed to be considered. We would want to collaborate with them to, to create those frames and create those camera moves and sequences, but that it did have to be considered. Wow, so like, let's just get some logistics out now. Where is it gonna be? How do people find it? Like what's the, is there a, you got a URL for the page that is like, give us a little context around it. It's, it's the, the easiest thing ever. You get yourself the Netflix, <laughs> you turn it on and search for abstract, the art of design. 
Uh, it will be in 190 countries, 22 different languages. It's a global release all on February 10th. Wow. So uh, you, it will be hard to miss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. Congratulations. Thank that, you so that, much. That's huge. Uh, let's talk a little bit theoretical for a second. Absolutely. Uh, around creativity, um, around entrepreneurship, around the way we humans package ideas, they put like things together. I want to know when you think about creativity, I say creativity with a small c, I mean the actual crafts of design, of photography, of filmmaking. And when I say creativity with the large C, when I juxtapose those things, what comes to mind for you? I do go back to that moment of decision making, of making those decisions that are the tiny, the details, the discovery details, the, the particular grade of a, a color move in a photograph or a motion picture all the way to the kerning pairs between two letters. I, I find that those little things end up empowering the really big moments because they just accrue. And you're able to assert yourself or assert a team's effort and, and see give and take and see difference and commonality between those moments where you and I can disagree about how far apart those two letters need to exist, but there's a discovery when we, when we have that conversation. And if you, those build up over time and they allow for bigger things to happen because trust emerges, because people talk to one another, there's communication, and, and I've found that I learn the most when I'm in those kinds of scenarios, when I'm working with people, again, over the, the structure of a paragraph or a colorway, and I find that, that that same sort of neural framework gets activated, that I feel something, and a, a coach of mine tells me and has taught me to, to pay attention to those feelings. When I'm doing that, I feel a certain way in my body that is different than when I'm slumped in a meeting or going through that spreadsheet. And so it has something to do with the way that I'm built as, as a creative person, but learning that tool set is also really important and, and enabling in the creative process, at least for me. Let's talk to the zero to one folks, the folks who have not identified as a creative and I've spent uh, I guess my last few years certainly trying to help those folks understand that there's a creator in all of us. Mm -hmm. um, when you look across the the plains, <laughs> I paint a picture here. When you just when you look out there in the world and you see folks that identify and people who don't identify as creative or not, um, do you have a message for either group or specifically interested in helping inspire the folks who were told their whole life they weren't creative and they're trying to break out and find something? I would pull out a lesson from the show and drawing. I think there's something really liberating and it doesn't have to be good, it doesn't have to be uh, representative, it can be purely abstract doodling that, that to a person every, per, every one of these subjects had activated their creative output by putting some instrument that had <laughs> ink or, or graphite in it against a piece of paper. And that exploratory process that there, there's something that happens in our minds that expands creative possibility when you doodle. And it, it's incredible to unlock that. I think that it, it, the bar is low, it costs nothing to do, and it certainly is a way to, to explore what, what happens inside of you when you do start that process. Yeah, it's, I think the idea of process, the word that you just finished was the fact that it's not a destination, that it's a habit. 
It's exactly just like right. letting it out. Um, Christoph Neiman talks a lot about this, that it's not, there aren't these moments of creative inspiration. There are no lightning bolts that come down. It's, it's practice. Yeah. It's like a sport. You have to go out and rehearse and go to practice and do it a lot. And it is something that you must continue to improve on. He talks about a, a creative bar fight between the 10 year ago version of himself and the version today. And he said, <laughs> I'm confident that I kick my own ass. <laughs> it's fun to think about that, that it is a muscle that in some sense that you can, that you can strengthen. Let's talk about advice. Some people are wary to give it, other, people's, other people have a hard time receiving it. That's one of the things that I want this episode. You've done so much, you've built so many things. You, at the same time, I hear sort of this rebirth and a bunch of new energy coming into your world because of the show and your new business. Mm -hmm. um, advice to people who are um, following in your footsteps or, or thinking about it. Pay attention to the feelings that you have inside of you. I, I was contemplating this choice to, to chart out on my own this year. And my wife... Leaving gave, a big post. Leaving Mary. a big post. My dream job, I mean, in, in every sense, getting that job felt like that was it. I could do that for the rest of my life. But I discovered over those years that I do have a lot more in me that I want to go out and create. And I like building teams and I like building things out of nothing. And paying attention to that feeling inside, and all credit to my wife, she gave me El Luna's terrific book, The Should and Must. Elle's going to be here in about an hour and 90 I minutes. I have to thank her. I have to <laughs> thank her. She's incredible. She's been on this show before. This, I love her. The, this book gave me the courage to, to think about my must and, and paying attention to that feeling about what I needed to do and, and what I had to do. Um, was really important and if there's any advice that I can uh, offer uh, small in comparison to what Elle has done but but paying attention to that feeling inside is really crucial and I looked back at the moments when uh, I stepped out of that comfort zone and, and felt that excitement again and every single one of them led me to uh, great things because of the growth, because of the people that I met, because of the places I've been able to travel and, and see and have conversations like this. And every single time that I felt like that, it was a big leap forward for me. So uh, it's really gratifying to, to be able to recognize that and, and the more people can pay attention to it, the better. Yeah, isn't it sort of weird Like you can, it's, I don't know, I think it, it falls under the category of self-awareness mm -hmm. because it is a process and, and I have learned to recognize it. I, I talk about it as my, my best quality is instinct. Mm -hmm. And it's not about seeing, I think people think about it like, oh, instinct's in the market and, and you know, oh, you saw that online creative education was gonna be mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. six years ago. No, no, it was like, it's recognizing, hmm, something's changing in me that says that's that's, pulling me to do one thing. I feel resistance, I feel these other mm -hmm. things, conflict. Even just confessionally, I've confessed a lot on this show, but confessionally, like, it was very hard. I was bound for professional soccer. Mm -hmm. And then when I decided that that wasn't it, I, out of fear, I turned to the world and said, oh, what should I do? And they said, if you're smart and hardworking, you should be a doctor or mm -hmm. a lawyer mm -hmm. or, and that was, I spent, I don't know, $100,000 in several years of my life mm -hmm. down a path that was everybody mm -hmm. else's path. And all of that was in radical violation to what was going on in here. Yep. So when I'm using the word intuition, mm 
is that, in, in that example, is that what you mean by listening to your feelings in here? Or is there some different permutation? Or is, is intuition smaller than your feelings? Or is it bigger? Talk to me a little bit more when about it. When you say the word intuition, I think about that gut, heart, head alignment. When all three of those are telling you the same thing, to me that, that sort of speaks to that moment of intuition where I, I, I can feel I can feel the direction, the purpose of it, the alignment of it that feels different than when one of those isn't there. Your head tells you something, but your heart, you want to go eat the ice cream. You know, it's like, <laughs> I really know that I shouldn't, but... Uh, I pretty much want to eat the ice cream right yeah, now. Pretty, that sounds pretty good. Much, pretty much. <laughs> you can divorce uh, intuition from the ice cream. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's sort of the way I think about it, though. Um, I think that's some fantastic advice. Um, how about habits? Like, I'm interested in, you know, there's some common habits you cited amongst the people in the show of, mm -hmm. you know, putting pen or pencil to mm -hmm. paper. Mm -hmm. um, either and or both other habits that, the, that you've noticed across all the subjects of the series and or yours personally. Like, what are some habits that you feel like have been successful or helped you be successful? Certainly in the series, uh, all of these folks have strong um, pursuits and skills in, in things that are not designed, whether it's skateboarding or playing the piano or violin, that they're all passionate about uh, creating in a venue that is not what their, their work habit is. Um, for me, I love to read, I love science fiction, and I find that I, I can sort of spark up and, and get the, those, uh, those neurons firing when I read great science fiction. Three I, science fiction books. Seven Eves, Neil Stevenson, last year. Uh, it came out two years ago, I read that last summer, though, it blew my mind. I'm reading 2312 right now, Kim Stanley Robinson, Incredible, and The Martian. Just Awesome, awesome book. Just some nuggets there um, yeah. in the middle of the show for you all. <laughs> so some, something else outside of the passion that you can turn to um, to exercise. Uh, got it. That's a very, it's very helpful. Um, don't do's. Don't do's. I think this sort of reflexive idea that you have to go sit in front of the computer or whatever your, your, your work tool machine is to go and crack the problem. I'm just gonna go in and solve this and get it done. That I actually find that going out to do something else, whether it is read or go cycling or find some way to connect with the earth and really like a hike, be out, smell the air, I feel a lot better and find solutions to creative problems a lot more quickly. That has been uh, almost a universal on this show when I ask people, it's like, get away, like stop doing the mm -hmm. thing that you're blocked mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. You're just burning cycles mm -hmm. and you're probably gonna come up with a shitty solution. <laughs> and <laughs> if you're tired question. enough, you'll call, it you'll call it done versus the opposite if you've got energy and you get some clarity from being away. Or even overwork it, that, the other risk of just pushing past the solution. Yeah, that you it was said three iterations ago. You had it already, like call it a day and go for a hike. God, that's such good <laughs> advice. Save, you could save some serious pain by listening to this man. Um, so what other projects are you working on? I'm excited to hear, and we wanna focus on the Netflix series. I think that's obviously a critical piece of what yep. we talked about here. Yep. Yep. Get some other stuff in the works or things you can talk about. Presumably there's some things you can't. Yeah, the big 
the big design project for the year is, is designing our agency and designing uh, the structure, the home of it. We're actually looking for a new office right now. We have about 35 folks uh, working for us, and what? we're looking to grow uh, that 35 this year. people already? Exactly, exactly. We're, so Patrick's practice uh, was Godfrey Q, and he okay. built that over the past 14 years. Uh, great advertising strategy, mm -hmm. um, brand architecture firm, and so that works. So I'm joining forces with him and that team, and we're adding talent and looking for new designers and filmmakers and producers. What hood do you want to be in? I think Jackson Square sounds pretty cool. We've been looking over there, but fairly central, something around Market Street. Yeah. But we want some creative space, some some brick and and, uh, and a big open ceiling like this, and some some space where we can grow. So designing the space, uh, designing the work that we're going to do, and designing uh, the relationships between uh, ourselves and our potential clients, our existing clients, the places that we want to go. So. There's a lot to do, and, yeah, uh, but it's really, it, uh, it doesn't feel like work. It's, I, I, I kind of can't believe say. that people pay me to do this. <laughs> yeah, <I get laughs> it's to kind of crazy. Build the foundation of a thing. Um, so you casually uh, interjected in there the intersection of, intersection of should and must, the book by El Luna. Any other books that you feel like have cracked open some stuff besides the science fiction that we already talked about? You know, I read, this is dry, but the, I forget, it's the HBR on managing people. That was a great, that is a great book for any young leader, anyone looking to grow. I've given that to many colleagues. I had it given to me, and it's a, it's a really terrific uh, tool book. It's, it's very practical. But in terms of creative leadership, Ed Catmull's book um, is without peer. Yeah, former uh, chief of Disney. Right, Disney. And he's um, he's at Disney now, but a co-founder of Pixar. Oh, Pixar, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And was at Lucasfilm yeah. before that. Um, and the name of the book is escaping me right now. But holy shit, it is it is a great yeah. book. Ed is an amazing, amazing man. And the way that he talks about creative decision making and working with big groups of of creative folks to achieve spectacular results like Toy Story and Finding Dory and Bugs Life and telling those stories of how those things came into the world over a four-year process, thinking about from the start of a story to going to the theater, having four years to affect every minuscule decision uh, that he and John Lasseter built, built that company around. It's just, it's breathtaking. So I can't recommend that book enough. Solid recommendation. Imagination, Inc. I'm gonna Creativity, Inc. Creativity, Inc., yes, yeah. thank you, yeah. thank you. We're in this together. I was. I, I, I <laughs> dropped it like I, I. dropped it like I had it the whole time. But <laughs> I was. It. I was processing when you were doing this. I was going through my bookshelf. I'm like, I can see it. I can see it. You said the ink, and that got us there. There we go. Um, parting words. Anything that you'd like to share with some folks who are, like, just curious and passionate and hungry and uh, of all ranges and walks of life. Like, you've clearly got some great stuff in your backpack uh, of, of um, all that you've accomplished. I'd say be willing to learn, go in humble, uh, and, and understand that just about everyone has something to teach you. When you put in the hours and you trust in, in your fellow colleagues and, and creatives that, that only good things can happen, that exchange of ideas is everything. It's and so I, invigorating. Everything that good that has happened to me has come through that kind of a process. Incredible. 
I have nothing else to add. That was awesome. Thank you so Thank much you, for your time. Thank you. For really appreciate me. it. Real it's gonna pleasure. Be a, yeah, and shout out to Print Magazine for helping get us together. Absolutely. I'm um, looking forward to that coming out. And congratulations on the series. I'm like, I saw the trailer, you guys. It is fresh. It's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you so amazing. much. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say, A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this. Also, uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.